You gonna tell me to stay away from your girl? Well, if I had to do that, she wouldn't be my girl. Hmm. Well, then I guess you've got nothing to worry about, do you? Welcome back, fans, to the Frustrated Fans Podcast, where we're stealing your rose-colored glasses one franchise at a time. I'm Pete. I'm Jeremy, and I still hate Resurrection F. <laughs> and, and we have a guest with us today. Hi, I'm Alex. Today we decided to go back to character analysis, because... We think we've had enough anime for a while. Yeah, I'm glad I missed that. We've had enough bad anime for a while. <laughs> oh, shots fired. Most of it is bad, so, you know. And we decide to look at American comic media, because there can no- possibly nothing go wrong Most with that, that right? that is bad as well. <laughs> wow, this is going to be interesting <laughs> analysis. So we're taking a look. Uh, now, normally in character analysis, we take a look at semi-obscure characters, at least. Within a franchise, and um, well, if you go by the live-action movies, this guy is an obscure character. That would be true. But today we're we're focused on one of the original five X-Men who kind of just is there in the background. <laughs> uh, Cyclops, Scott Summers. <laughs> yeah. You think they'd be able to have more fun with a guy that shoots laser beams out of his eyes? I know. Like, how do you screw up laser vision? The no. answer is Scott Summers and white people. <laughs> Something like that. From Wikipedia, Cyclops is a fictional superhero appearing in American comic books published by Marvel Comics, is a founding member of the X-Men. Created by writer Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, the character first appeared in the book The X-Men Number 1 in September 1963. Funny story about the X-Men's start. The, the whole reason the whole mutation thing came about is Stan Lee was tired of setting up cosmic or galactic or God knows how much different radiations you could come up with or radioactive bugs, and just decide, screw it. Let's just use something that maybe could happen in real life, but so we, he didn't want to have to explain it that hard. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, why would... Stanley doesn't explain anything. That's why comics the way they are. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's how we got mutants in the first place. Yeah. So. And then it was a wonderful allegory for the civil race movement, and then it got taken over by... Well, it was always taken over by white people, but, you know, that's the story of the civil rights movement. And, that, and, then, that. and then all of a sudden, space aliens showed up, and oh my God. they became a oh, phoenix, God. and what the hell? Fucking- that is jumping ahead of ourselves, but yes. Yeah. This character's had a really... Um, wacky history. Uh, he's <laughs> Like everyone else in Marvel and DC. Yeah. We'll go with that. He's generally been the standard leader of the X-Men while he's been in the comic, but he's also been a bad guy. He's also been retired from the team, then he comes back. Then he was Dark Phoenix. Wait, seriously? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they made him Dark Phoenix in the comics. Oh, what? my God. Did it make him more interesting? <laughs> no. No. Probably not. It was part of the Avengers more interesting. Not even the part of the Avengers can help. It's part of the Avengers versus X Men line. Um, Dark the the Phoenix just doesn't make anything interesting. It just makes things more ridiculous. Not necessarily and on fire. Yes, it also see that's that's just one advantage. It sets things on fire. So you know, which is nice. Often known as Slim or Psych. (laughs) Slim. Yeah, that's Wolverine's nickname for him. Oh, I thought it was uh, douchebag. <laughs> that's oh, my that was... name for him. 
Oh, okay. His basically his background. He was one of the first of two sons born to quote Major Christopher Summers, a test pilot for the U.S. Air Force, and his wife Catherine. Christopher was flying his family home from vacation when their plane was attacked by spacecraft from the Shi'ar Empire. Okay, hold on. Alien. What? <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Already that's, in the second character history. In the second sentence, that stopped being normal. Yeah, I know. <laughs> To save their lives, Catherine pushed Scott and his brother Alex out of the plane with the only available parachute. Scott suffered a head injury upon landing, thus forever preventing him from controlling his mutant power by himself. How convenient. Yes. With their parents dead, the authorities separated the two boys. Yes, that's smart. Alex was adopted, but Scott remained comatose in a hospital for a year. Upon recovering, he was placed in an orphanage, you know, instead of with his brother Alex. <laughs> because in Omaha, Nebraska, that, Scott Summers. <laughs> well, not only that, but his, apparently this orphanage was controlled by Mr. Sinister all along. <laughs> <laughs> oh, See, I would comment, but literally all of my arguments against comics just in general are just being re- read off right now. It's just like... <laughs> I don't have to say oh. anything. <laughs> it's not. It's not over. <laughs> no, it isn't. As a teenager, I just Scott want to recommend came... to everybody read the we- just the Wikipedia page, and you will get to understand just how stupid this is. <laughs> as a teenager, Scott came into the care of Jack Winters, the f- a mutant criminal known as the Jack of Diamonds. Uh-huh. As Scott began oh, to funny. suffer severe headaches, he went to a specialist who discovered that lenses made of ruby quartz corrected the problem. Yeah, because you're going to think of that first thing. Oh, maybe <laughs> ruby will do the trick. You know what? I'm going to go to an optometrist and be like, you know what? Do you think I need ruby quartz sunglasses? God knows how much those cost, too. <laughs> Soon after, Scott's mutant power first erupted from his eyes as an uncontrollable blast of optic force. The blast demolished a crane, causing it to drop its payload onto a terrified crowd. Scott saved lives, but then obliterating the object he just attacked in the first place with another blast, but the bystander believes he tried to kill them and rallied into an angry mob. Hello, Mama Bear! This is Red Dog. How soon can you get an angry mob over to the diner? Right over here, boys! As they tend to do. Winters sought to use Scott's newfound talent in his crimes and physically abused the young boy, oh lord, when he initially refused. Um... (laughs) However, Scott's supply of power attracted the attention of Professor Charles Xavier, who teamed up with FBI agent Fred Duncan in their mutual f- attempt to find Scott. Scott was rescued from the winner's clutches and enlisted by Xavier in the first Hold on. as the first member of the X-Men. A team of young moons had trained to use their powers to fight for human mutant equality. Moving on. As Cyclops, the Scott became the def- field leader of the X-Men. And while he is a skilled tactician, his social skills are lacking. With an yes, upbringing like of- that, I'm not surprised. Scott has fallen in love with his teammate Jean Grey, more on that later, but his reserved demeanor prevented him from expressing his feelings for her for years. Usually just well, turning into him going, Jean! I thought that was Wolverine at the end of X3. Oh. Well, they had to get that from somewhere. What? Oh! Yeah. Oh, good point. While Xavier's other recruits left, left the fold, following you know, and you know what? I don't care anymore. <laughs> Wait, sentient island being Krakow? What the hell? 
Oh no, yeah. I'm, I'm I've stopped caring. I've there's there's also Ego, the sentient planet. Oh, I'm the sentient virus. Um, I know they're in DC too. Yeah, there's yeah. a whole planet who's in the Green Lantern Corps. <laughs> there's also an equation that's in the Green Lantern Corps. I don't understand why go gaga over the Green Lantern things. <laughs> eh, long story. Definitely story for another day. So yeah, this is this is I'm this is comic history that Marvel puts out on their fishy wikia. And then that eventually got retconned because they did a reboot, and then they killed him eight times, and then each time he came back, it got more ridiculous, and then they rebooted everything again, and now they're back to square one. And the reason, folks, we are focusing on only media versions instead of comic versions is just that. Is that there's about two dozen different versions of Cyclops on Marvel's Wikia alone. I mean, that's fair, because, you know, they have that many versions of their universe. None of them are any good. <laughs> no. Well, no, no, no. The Incredible Spider-Ham universe is good. Don't knock it. <laughs> I'm sure it is. <laughs> but we'll take our first break here, and then we'll get to our experiences with the X-Men. And then we'll ham it up. Hush you. <laughs> so, uh, our experience with the X-Men franchise. My first experience probably comes from the six-player arcade game, believe it or not, um, where you had yeah choice between Cyclops, Colossus, who somehow could blow metal off his body, <laughs> even though he can do that in the comics, uh, Storm, Dazzler, Nightcrawler, and, uh, oh yeah, Wolverine able to shoot lasers out of his claws. Um, that was never explained. I don't remember that. Okay. I'll have to, try, I'll have to play that again and see that. Laser claws. It's legit, man. <laughs> yep. Well, if you were still on, had still on Xbox, I would suggest we play that uh, through the arcade system. But I, I, you have, I have the PS3 version, so I'll play that and check yeah, it out. Anyway. Yep. So I um and then I picked up a little bit of the cartoon, but uh from there, but I never really caught it with any regularity. I did pick up that he was supposed to be the quote leader and one of the standard X Men, but. There was nothing really special there, but I did catch most of the Dark Phoenix saga in its entirety, and we'll touch on that when we get there. But past that, I knew who Cyclops was. As I had friends who explained to me, and my brother and I started to subscribe to X-Men comics regularly. And one of our first issues was a particularly violent confrontation between Cyclops and his brother Havoc, and they just kind of punched each other as they fell out of a plane. Again. <laughs> yeah, there's a theme here. It happens. Um, but Themes even with have the, meaning. There is no meaning to Scott Summers. <laughs> as, um, but even as we the comics, the only thing significant Scott did was in the 12 storyline where Apocalypse comes back and he kidnaps 12 mutants, Cyclops being one of them, to make oh. him a god. And Cyclops uh, rushed in and shoved Nathan Gray out of the way and became merged with Apocalypse, quote-unquote, dying. Yeah, he gets better. Nobody dies in comics. <laughs> no. To be fair, Marvel on this last turn did keep Jean Grey dead for eight years. That's a record for them. <laughs> Instead of eight pages. <laughs> do you, you, you do realize that Marvel Comics works on a one-to-four 
ratio for every four years in real life, one year passes in the comics. So really, they only kept Gene dead for two years. No one dies tonight. So says the Phoenix. Oh, for Christ's sake. (laughs) Ow. Ow. That's significantly more mundane. (laughs) Not Uh, even kidding. so, um, I did see him in the, f- um, in the first movie, of course, and I thought they played the little bit of a love triangle well, but after, as we'll get to, he, af- we'll get to in a bit, he just kind of, um, disappears. Literally in the third movie. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, that's kind of my basic thing. I never really thought much of the character. I didn't hate him, but, eh, whatever. Oh, hey, who's next? Uh, uh I'll go, I'll go next. Um, I didn't watch the show originally. A friend introduced it to me after I had started watching uh, Spider-Man. And I'll admit, back in the day, I was never a Cyclops fan. I immediately liked Wolverine because... Well, who doesn't? He he was a badass and he had cool claws. And because I didn't know anything about the show, I thought the claws were his power. And I was told, oh, he also can heal himself. And I'm like, oh, so he has two powers. It also didn't help that a few years later, my other main exposure to the character was in X-Men vs. Street Fighter, and Cyclops is the super cheap character in the game. Is It's just optic blast, optic blast, optic blast. His uppercut attack shoots a projectile. It's okay. Well, let's go on. And then uh, then I saw him in X-Men Evo uh, Evolution, and yeah, he was a lot better in that show, and I actually grew to like him in that. That, you know, he also got actually memorable moments in that show that I remembered, unlike the 90s show, where I had to rewatch it many, many, many years later and go, oh, he did a couple things in this. (laughs) Well, because he had to. Otherwise, he's just there. (laughs) Well, to be fair, he's less useless than Jubilee, but that's another story for another day. (laughs) They need to have a useless contest. Who's more worthless, Jubilee or Dazzler? Oh, ouch. <laughs> We're going to get so many letters from X-Men fans. Eh. The, hey, if, if we didn't get any backlash from my absolute like shredding of dra- the Dragon Ball Z movie last time, then I think we're good. Well, to be fair, I did call Inuyasha the Twilight of anime. <laughs> so, yeah, there's that, too. <laughs> good go, mate! Inuyasha! Uh, oh, God, thank you. No! no. Oh. oh, God, I'm yeah. having flashbacks! Well, I didn't realize anime previews can give you PTSD. Okay, well, while he recovers, Alex, why don't you go next? So, my exposure to Scott Summers was more or less the same. Uh, The 90s cartoon was my introduction to the franchise in general. Um, Really, I remember two scenes from the cartoon. Uh, Well, no, I remember one scene and the theme song. And the one scene that I remember is um, there's some mutant hater who is, like, given the big reveal that uh, Sabretooth was his real dad. And he goes, you're not my father! You're yeah, not my be. father! I remember that That's one. Really all I really remember from that cartoon, as I recall, he was Scott himself was kind of bland, um, as were most of the characters. But, you know, X, again, X-Men Evolution was really where I learned, you know, the franchise and grew to appreciate the characters. Uh, in that one, Scott really fit fit in well. You know, it, like that just felt like it justified the character. Like he he had purpose there. 
I like that, Scott, because, yeah, he was the leader, but he wasn't the main character. If anyone was in the main character in that series, I always thought it was kind of Kurt. And um, and then I and then I like watched the movies again. That was kind of a mistake because I've never <laughs> stopped hating Scott since. That's our experiences. So why don't we get into uh, the first one we obviously were exposed to, uh, '90s X-Men animated series, running concurrent and uh, in continuity with the Spider-Man of the same name. It uh was one of the first. It was a major show of its time. It had good ratings and ran for something like five seasons. Something like that, yeah. The last yeah. season is kind of janky a little bit because they ran. I, there was like budget issues, and then mm-hmm. like the last four episodes of the show, like uh, the last few episodes of the show, have a completely different animation team. Oh, nice. Yeah, so the show looks Classy. really. It looks really odd, um, and but it did. They actually were able to get a finale, which was mm, yeah. right. They had it a finale. Okay, well, Gargoyles got a finale, but it wasn't good. Oh, uh, Gargoyles' so. finale was better than this. It was uh, Xavier falls into a coma, and the only way to save him is to send him off at the Shi'ar into space. God. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So, I mean, this show this show was definitely Marvel's response to the success of Batman the Animated Series, and it did go into darker places than most kids' shows were willing to go. go. Yeah. Especially the the dis- bigotry towards mutants. So and the Dark Phoenix saga. So uh, yeah, in all Dark its glory. Phoenix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doing okay over there. Uh. Well, why don't you start us off with your exposure to this show? So again, I was a Spider-Man kid. Um, so naturally, I would watch the X-Men cartoon whenever I can. I don't remember much about it. Uh, mostly, you know, again, it was the theme song. Honestly, can't remember much about the characters in the show to really comment, but I'm sure if I were to rewatch it, it would just build upon my hatred of Scott Summers. <laughs> Especially because they went through the, the, the Phoenix Saga, which just gets worse every time I see it. It's actually kind of glorious. Are we talking like the room level of bad, or are we talking... I'm not. I think it's its own kind of type of like it's its own category of horrible. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I I remembered the Phoenix Saga a little bit from when I was younger. Then when I finally got the DVDs, I was watching the show and I was enjoying it. And then all of a sudden, the Phoenix Saga starts, and I went, "This really comes right the hell out of nowhere and makes no sense." It goes from a show about like dealing with racism towards mutants and you know like fighting against the government, and yeah, there's some mutant-on-mutant conflict, and there's a little bit of apocalypse. Then all of a sudden, aliens! Did we mention uh, Scott's father not only survives the aliens' attack, but he becomes a space pirate? Do what you want, because a pirate is free. You are a pirate! You're our favorite indeed. Being a pirate is a recipe. Do what you want, because a pirate is free. I think I suppressed that knowledge. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when life takes away your entire family and throws you, plummets you into the depths of space, become a space pirate. I mean, that sounds legit. That's a legitimate <laughs> survival strategy. I can get behind that. He's, but because he is a Summers, I'm sure he's still terrible. More or less, yeah. But we'll get to the um, more of Jeremy and my, my reaction to the show after the next break. Sounds good.
Yeah. So, with this sh- with In space, no one can hear you dumb. Yeah. <laughs> but In everybody... Space, no one can hear you feel it. Gene! <laughs> so, going back to your experience with the 90s X-Men show. So, back from when I was younger, I barely remember Cyclops doing a whole lot. Probably because I didn't exactly watch a lot of the show. I would catch episodes here and there. So it was like the most jarring stuff for me. So I'd go from seeing like Beast and Wolverine fighting against uh, mutant bigotry to all of a sudden Apocalypse is about to destroy the entire universe. It happens. Yeah, so it it was a little off. Like a mutant, too. (laughs) Um... So, but I the the main scene I remember for Cyclops in this was uh, because I actually I decided to binge watch like seven of the episodes last night just to try to catch myself back up on it. And Cyclops really doesn't do a whole lot. It's basically he tells people to do stuff, and Gambit and Wolverine tell him to go to hell. I mean, that's <laughs> that that is the start of like four different plot lines in that show. I'm going after her. No way, Wolverine. We've got a job to do first. Out of the way, Gumbo. Gambit. Let him go. Ah, uh, he's not worth it. Wow. Like, like, the one good thing he did in the episodes I watched, and it was actually quite funny, it's Apocalypse has created his four horsemen, and he's like, I am unstoppable! And then all of a sudden, an optic blast hits him and sends him into a wall. Well, you know, that's what that's for. <laughs> yep. So the the scene where I mainly remember him actually getting a moment to be a badass was when they first fight Mr. Sinister, where, like, the X-Men are being tossed around outside and Scott and Jean have been captured, so Sinister can experiment on them or something. He does yeah. that. Yeah. I'll comment on that later. Yeah. and then He does that. The big moment on there, it's like the character Morph, who was created for the show breaks free of Mr. Sinister's mind control and tries fighting him and fails miserably. So, great job there, buddy. Cyclops breaks himself free from metal restraints because he has super strength now, I guess, and starts blasting Mr. Sinister repeatedly with optic blasts that he, for some reason, can't heal from. But it doesn't matter because Cyclops is beating the hell out of him, and it's awesome. Leave him alone, Sinister! Your fight is with me! Ah, my body! It's impossible! So, you like playing God with mutants' lives? Well, just keep away from my friends! Ah! Ruckus, the blade! And they even play the theme song when he's doing it, so... Yeah. Then it must be a good moment. Yeah, it Mm -hmm. was really good. And then, uh, yeah, I don't remember anything else he did in the entire show. Well, like I've previously mentioned, I barely caught the show as it is. And even then, I didn't... What I watched was usually focused on another character. Me, I was a Gambit fan back in the day. Not so much Wolverine, but... Uh, the biggest thing I do remember is I did catch a good portion of the Dark Phoenix saga, and then when Gene, and by extension, Scott, took center stage. I do remember, I didn't get a chance to rewatch it for the podcast, but there's a definite sense of 
of the unknown as what's going on, and Scott wanting to help his wife as she's more and more taken over by the Phoenix, but he none of them really know what to do. And then his immediate grief at her parent death and joy at her practically immediate return. It, yeah. It happens. Uh, I, the one thing on this show and all the other ones that do it, I never really understood the love triangle with, with Scott, Gene, and Wolverine. Like, Scott... Well, they do it in the movies, too. Uh, yeah, yes. so th- like that, too. It's like, Scott and Gene, I understand, like, they're together, they've been, like, working together in the X-Men for so long, they've grown close. Wolverine just looks at her and goes, you're hot, I want to be with you. See, there's actually, actually I mean, I'm going to comment on this again later, but the, the basic idea is that Scott and Gene can't exist without the other. They're basically the same character, and Wolverine changes that dynamic by being his own character and changing Gene, but not necessarily changing Scott. That's what makes that kind of that makes what that's what makes it different. I'm not going to call it interesting uh, because those kinds of dynamics where you only define a character by their romantic relationships is just bad writing. But yeah, that's yeah. my explanation for it. Then the next thing to come was X-Men Evolution, which came out about the same time as the first movie, as I recall. Yeah, it came out shortly after the first movie. Which we'll get to the movies in a bit, but this this is the next major animated series. Yeah, this one, the 90s show did some of its own stuff, but also just adapted existing stories from the comics, Mm -hmm. such as the Phoenix Saga. This show, Evolution, from what I understand, which is completely original, like it was their own take on it. It had there were some things that were taken from before. Like I know at one point Wolverine mm-hmm. starts wearing his Ultimate X Men outfit. Um, well, and they do they do maintain stuff like Mystique's connection to both Rogue and Kurt. Yeah, there so. there are some constants, but for the most part, it's its own thing. Like it doesn't recreate plot lines from the comics. Thank God. For, yeah. So, and there's no phoenix in it. Yay! Not well. They had planned it this, for season five, but they got canceled. Yeah, season four ended kind of abruptly, but at least the show had an ending. Perhaps yes. mercifully. No. Um, <laughs> most of the characters were in their teens in high school, such as Cyclops, Shadow Cat, Jean Grey, and they did Storm, Wolverine, and Professor X. Were you know they were adults and they mentored everyone, which was. With Beast coming in season two. Yeah. And it was a nice dynamic for it, too. Like, Wolverine came off as, like... Wolverine and Storm came off as, like, the big protectors of the kids. Yeah. Uh And season one was a little bit of a rocky start. It has some good moments. But season two, and then especially near the end of it, and seasons three and four, they really did a good job with this. And they really kept upping the stakes, especially once mutants became what, like, known. Because that was the thing mm-hmm. in the beginning of the show is only a few people knew that mutants even existed. So when they became public knowledge, it added like a new dynamic to the show. Right. And season one was mostly Charles and Magneto kind of building up for when the eventual time that mutants would be revealed. Yeah. It's still season one's finale was still a stupid story. Oh, the call. <laughs> Which one was that? Refresh my memory. Uh, where Magneto puts people in a genetic what's-it and it unleashes their full potential. Oh. but. Wait, did yeah. he? Was that what that? I thought that was all right. And gives them gray hair for some reason. Yeah, I remember that stupid shit. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So um, the show also was known as it introduced two original characters: Spike, who got a not one. original. Yeah, huh? Not original. I will get to that. Yeah. In a second. Well, the character himself was a little bit. Well, the character ended up. His legacy is having a short cameo in X Men Three, and Wolverine kills him. 
<laughs> and then and X the other. Huh? Sorry, I'll wait my turn. Okay, and then there's X twenty three, who is a female a young female clone of Wolverine, complete with adamantium grafted to her bones as well, like claws. And like basically she's kinda of like Harley Quinn where she was created just for the T V show and later incorporated into the canon in the comics and I really liked her because she ended up showing up as a playable character in Marvel vs. Capcom 3, and I'm really good with her in that game. It, the show itself, despite its rocky start, is I recommend taking a look at it. It's really, really good, and just like the first show, actually hits some good dark places for a kid's show. And fortunately for anyone listening, it is all free on YouTube on Marvel's channel. Yep. Is it really? Yeah, yep. that's where that's I was. Totally I watched... Awesome. I watched all of seasons three and four in the last few days through their YouTube channel. Man, that's what I should have been doing. Damn, okay. <laughs> yep. So, um, let's see. How would the show handled Cyclops, on the other hand? Like we kind of said, they they started, they took comic mainstays, but they kind of went in their own direction. There were definitely long story arcs, and Cyclops and Gene, despite, you mentioned they're similar characters, they don't start as a couple. There's a definite mutual attraction, but they're more friends at first. And that was good, too. Yeah. Well, I didn't say that there were similar characters. I said they were the same character. It's it's a weird distinction. Right. Excuse me. (laughs) So, he's not the 90s Cyclops who who is stiff you think he'd add an animanium spine. Um, Instead, he's trying to be the responsible member of the team, but let's face it, he's also a teenager, so he does, you know, do teenager things. Yeah. But, and the cool part about him was, like, when push came to shove, you saw his serious side take control, and he worked as a good leader, and in at, one of the things I really liked at the very beginning of season three is everyone's starting to look to him for leadership, even though Wolverine and Storm are still with them. So, his biggest jump, as you... But at the beginning of season three, when Professor X kind of goes missing, which admittedly happens a lot in the comics, mm-hmm. Wolverine and Cyclops nearly come to blows, but over what to do. Yeah. So it's I, I like how they changed up like the conflict between. There's not much conflict between Cyclops and Wolverine in this show, which I like. So it's, you know they're trying something different, and when they do have conflict in this episode, it again it's something different. It's Wolverine is still seeing them as the kids he's been having to, you know, babysit for the last two years. And Cyclops is telling him, you know, you trained us. You trained us really damn well, and we know what we're supposed to do. We, you know, we can actually walk on our own now. And it's kind of Wolverine eventually steps back, and in, later on in the episode, he even says to Cyclops, you did good. Yeah. But we'll continue on to this after the next break. Okay. <laughs> So the the main episode that Scott gets in season three that I think is like one of his best moments and character building moment for him as well is at at the beginning of season three, when they find out Mystique was the one that hid, like kidnapped Professor Xavier, he tries getting her to speak by leaving her in a government facility. She then uh, breaks free and wants revenge. She does that. Yeah. 
And so she strands Cyclops in the middle of a Mexican desert with no glasses or visor. Cyclops, to his credit, actually stays pretty calm during this. He doesn't super panic or anything, survives against the elements, fights off a pack of wolves, and actually manages to attract a few people to come rescue him. Unfortunately, he then blows the roof off a hospital. It, it happens. And Mystique attacks him. In what is probably one of the best moments of him in the show, Myst- throughout this whole show, Mystique has been shown as a total badass, you know, beating the crap out of people, going toe-to-toe with even Storm in season one. Scott holds his own against her and almost beats her at one point. Even if he's semi-blind. Yeah. It's re- especially to the point where he even leads her into an area and knocks out all the lights. So she's in the same situation as him. Cue then Jean Grey showing up as a total badass and picking up Mystique with her powers and just throwing her around the room. Which, I'd like to know why she didn't do that more in the show. Just throw people around. You can do that. And then finally, you know, Scott and Jean end up together at the end of this episode. They they grow closer as the show goes, but I, I like when Wolverine and Storm are like, it's about damn time. Interestingly enough, this show eschewed the normal love triangle with Wolverine because... It'd be creepy with him hitting on a minor. Um, <laughs> and they actually had kind of a love triangle between Scott and then two ladies between Rogue and Jean Grey. Yeah. With Rogue, it, it was more of a one-sided thing for her, mm-hmm. but it was Cyclops was the one who eventually, like, was one of the reasons she was convinced to join the X-Men, and she started growing, like, it was actually really naturally done. Like, she grew to like him as the <laughs> show went, and I liked the fact that when she saw that uh, Scott and Jean were pretty much, you know, meant for each other, they ended up together, she backed away. She didn't try to get in the middle of it. It wasn't like Wolverine, who it's like, hey, wouldn't you rather be with me? So I, I actually really liked well, that. And with no Gambit around, since he was an adult in the show and only showed up as cameos, yeah. No, he was still younger in this one. He showed up as one of um, Magneto's uh, kids. Oh, yeah. never mind. He shows up in season... I think he shows up for a short time in season two, but he actually gets a bigger part in seasons three and four. But no, there's no um, romance stuff between Rogue and Gambit. All right. So, Jeremy, what's your opinion of this Cyclops then? He's the best one. This is the best version of Cyclops. And we looked at anyway, yeah. Yeah, this is the best version of Cyclops that I've seen. And... Like, I'm not the biggest Cyclops fan, but I think he's awesome in this show. He has character development. He has a unique personality. He grows throughout the whole show. The Cyclops in season four is very different from the one in the very first episode of the show. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I like the switch up they did with the love triangle where Rogue and Jean have feelings for Scott. Alex, what about you? So, I agree. This is by far the best Cyclops. It's, you know, pretty much the only one where Cyclops is his own character. Like, he's not fundamentally attached to, you know, whether it's Emma Stone or Jean Grey. You know, this Scott stands on, you know, by himself. Um, You know, he's also, you know, an example of how you can have an imperfect character without forcing flaws on them. Uh, you know, as a writer, I can't tell you how many times I've had people ask me, well, what are their flaws? But you don't need flaws to be imperfect. 
though you know Scott clearly has imperfection you know clearly has uh, flaws to his character and a lot of times you know these imperfections are just not knowing something it's not knowing something about another person or about the situation and reacting in a way that just doesn't help and he does that a few times in the show um there's a lot that they could have explored with this version of Scott, but they never really got the chance to do so. My favorite scene with this, with Scott just in general is in the episode where they meet forge and Kurt has three seconds to tell Scott and spike not to blow up a doohickey that has them trapped somewhere. Um, but he just doesn't have enough time to say it. So despite getting the message of reset, don't, um, Scott and Spike decide that they're going to blow it up anyway, because <laughs> that's you know that, you know Scott ha- is a hammer. That's how he thinks. So when he's presented with a problem that needs a screwdriver, he still thinks with the hammer, and that's not that's not a flaw. That's just how he is. You know that that also you know it works later on. Um, you know as you know that that same trait of being a hammer works for Scott later on in the show where he decides to do you know where his stubbornness and his bullheadedness you know for you know on, on basically seeing problems as a nail works for him where he's making decisions where he's doing the right thing rather than the easy thing just because that's just what you do um so yeah, um, all of the characters in X Men Evolution were really solid. So I can still get to say that Scott was the worst character in the show, and that still makes me very happy. <laughs> Worse than Toad? Uh, I actually like Toad. Oh okay. <laughs> Fair enough. As far as for me, well, Toad uh, did I have only... his own theme song. So uh, Toad. The thing is about Toad is that you know he was a creepy guy, and they they played that like they they brought that through, you know, and you know Toad had de- uh, you know more depth than even Scott did. I thought. <laughs> so uh, that just leaves me, and I watched maybe about the first season and a half of this just before I just stopped catching it, and. Uh, yeah, Spike got on my nerves. I'm sorry. I was going to bring this up earlier, but he's a clone of a comics character called Marrow. Yeah. Who's actually a really deep and interesting character. Yeah. And they made him the skateboarding cool one, <laughs> who's the nephew of Storm. Um, yeah, I didn't like that. At the same time, I liked uh, Spike. I don't know this is an episode about Spike, but I liked him because, yeah. you know, he he was... I hate to say this, but you know there was not a, there was there's a lot of white people in this franchise. And Fair enough. Sp- and Spike was you know he was a kid their age who was not a white person. Okay, I'll buy that. Um, I'll go. For, I'll go. I mean, that's fine. I I just like when you take an interest. But for yeah, me, Mero, was, who was a fan of Mero, yeah, you know, Mero is her own character, and she is a good character, and she should have been in the show. I agree. Agreed. Anyway. As, far, as, as previously mentioned, yes, this is the best version of Cyclops as so far. He's got his, definitely his own character. Yeah, while there is a mutual attraction to Gene, they don't act on it for a while. And that's actually a good thing, because it lets Scott build up Scott uh, as a character on his own. Um, and there was kind of... There were a couple of episodes where he definitely gets to act not as a responsible leader, but just a kid. Mm-hmm. So he has, to de- he has to deal with a bully yeah. now and then, or... Yeah. 
he is definitely it's cool. In in this series, he um he is the first among teenagers. <laughs> He's the yeah. oldest of the teenagers. He is you know he is mature, but He's also still a teenager. And yes. It works very well, especially with, you know, the mutant gene kind of being an allegory for puberty. You know, yeah. high school was just sort of the best way to do that, I think. And one of the better episodes they actually come across, I remember in the show, but it was kind of, there was just kind of one of those awesome moments. There's an episode where all five original X-Men, so Beast, Iceman, Angel... Jean Grey and Cyclops get to do a mission together, and it's just kind of a nod to the fans. So, well, the, the comic book TV show, of course, is going to have those. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, when the third movie could ha, has all five originals, and they don't put them together, oh my, yeah, so bad. Well, that 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 movie had plenty more problems than that. Yeah. We'll get to that. We will get to that. I know, but that brings to us to fair, our next. To be fair, show. I do want to interject. To be fair. Archangel is a character that the franchise could do without. <laughs> yeah. Though, his metal wings are kind of cool. Mm. He Sorry. can shoot missiles from his metal wings. Well, while we before we get to the next... <laughs> On the other enemy. hand, Scott can shoot lasers from his eyes, so... This is true. Remain, well, I'm not saying Scott's... unimpressed. <laughs> I'm not saying he's cooler than Scott with his powers. I'm just saying it is kind of cool. He's not shoot saying much. Dance, puppets, dance. <laughs> while, we, while we recover from that, we'll get to the next segment after, um, next show after the next break. Well, I guess hunting these slime balls is one way to deal with all that pent-up rage. He has every right to be angry. Scott is a good person in a world that exists solely to crush good people. Why do you care, Frost? About Summers? About any of this? It's not that I... Scott! He's... We have to go! What'd you see? He's being led into a trap! Jeans missing! <laughs> that's a pretty... That's a good start. Yeah. Yeah. So the next one becomes from 2009, run on Nicktoons, Wolverine and the X-Men. So in 2009, X-Men fans got two huge disappointments. So in other words, Wolverine and oh yeah, these other people. Yeah, it's the Wolverine show featuring some other characters. Oh god. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man Variety Hour, only with Wolverine. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So uh, this was the same creative team of Evolution, and again released on 2009 on the channel Nicktoons, another original take on the franchise. In this show... Sorry. Not sorry. Xavier is missing, later found comatose. It happens. And it's up to Wolverine to lead the X-Men. Yeah. Uh, that ass that. loner Wolverine is the, is the leader. The guy who runs off when he doesn't feel like dealing with crap. Yeah, that's, that sounds like a great idea. The series only ran for 26 episodes, thank God. Um, <laughs> while season second second season was planned, the show was canceled, leaving it with a cliffhanger that no one cared about. Oh, no. I, I, uh, but can you break down this for, uh, show even further, Jeremy? Yep. It's basically Wolverine going, I can see the future! Bad things happen! Professor X can walk again! Meryl's a little dip one! 10x23 show up and still don't do crap! Thank you. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah, Wolverine, ha- essentially, the show starts, literally starts with On the Grounds of the Institute and 
both Professor X and Jean have a sudden headache, and then an explosion happens. It it, it happens, you know. I mean, In, with the X Men, yes, with yes, the X Men, that mansion gets blown up every other week. Pretty much, one wonders how Professor X <laughs> stays in the black, but. Uh, it's like the it's it's like the uh, shield helicarrier. <laughs> Maria yeah. Hill had that car for sixteen years. She has the helicarrier for three days, and it crashes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So Wolverine is obviously the central character, and the other X Men kind of rise up around him. In plot, Wolverine slowly starts to reassemble the team when he suddenly gets psychic visions of the future. future. I can see the future! From Professor X, which is not explained how that happens. It just does, because... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, I saw the show recently, and my head, like, just thinking about it, literally makes my head hurt. Yeah. (laughs) So, um... Generally speaking, most of the major characters still follow their core personalities. Especially... If you could call them personalities. (laughs) Except Cyclops. Yeah, Cyclops um, is what I, what I think we're going to dub Emoclops. Or Sadclops. That's, <laughs> that's, that, that's what the people at Cartoon Night where I saw it, uh, that's what they dub. They, t- they call him Sadclops. I like that. <laughs> yeah, he was reduced to, basically, he's a moping loner who smolders with generic rage, wears a trench coat to hold in his depression, and probably listens to, Link- to Crawling by Linkin Park while Drying his hair black to match his soul. See, I would have gone for how did this happen to me instead of crawling, but that works too. Uh, Basically, I mean, those wounds, they will not heal. Mm. These white people angry. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we, do, have we offended about every emo stereotype yet? Uh, uh, I, I could probably, maybe he also listens to Panic at the Disco. I don't know. Okay, fine. <laughs> So, general, as we mentioned, this show focuses solely on Wolverine. In fact, he gets a couple of solo episodes, like when he has to take on the Hulk for no good reason. Yeah, the the one good part of the, about that episode, because I only remember one part about that episode, is at the very end they have Bruce Banner, and then Wolverine punches him in the face, so he transforms and goes, yeah, Hulk wanted to talk with you too. That was like yeah, the best part of that episode. That, if you remember that, that was pretty good. Yeah. So... There's that. And then, um, so since Jean was missing and Scott was being mopey, we had to have another female he could relate to. Emma Frost. And another telepath. <laughs> Emma Frost. I think Scott has a fetish. Oh, my. No, I see, can look into your mind. I want to bone you. See, no, Scott isn't. Remember, Scott isn't a character. He's like a computer periphery. Oh, like, yeah. He doesn't function without something pl- to plug into. Literally plug it. <laughs> oh, my. Physically or mentally? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Remember, Scott is not a character. You, If you have Gene and Scott, you have a character. Uh, Emma is her own character, but, you know, Scott is not. So if you, if you attach him to Emma, you have... Emma, who is her own character, and like a little more, and that Scott, he's like he's like a um, he's like the Venom symbiote. He's he, no, he's like an angler. He's like a male anglerfish. <laughs> he just attaches himself to a female, and just like 
ingratiates himself into their, all the, all of their systems and just lives off of them. See, I just got this image in my head of like Scott like hugging and like humping Jean, and then she dies, and he runs over and starts hugging and humping Emma Frost. Yeah, that's basically how Scott works. <laughs> well, in the comics, no less. After Scott returns from death, he starts a psychic affair with Emma for no good reason. <laughs> So I think that's what they were going See, with here. It, it's even worse than that, okay? It's like, it's, it's, it, he still thought Jean was dead or something like that, and he'd been married. Oh, no, her. she was very alive when he did oh, this. Oh, well, like, it was, like, also something to do with Jean's clone, who he married or some <laughs> shit like that. I, yes. And he had a son with her, and then, like. Now you see why, folks, why we didn't delve into the comics. Oh, my God. See, I love the, uh,. I read better fanfictions of this character <laughs> than what is actually in Marvel Comics. That is how bad this is. See, when I think of Gene, Emma, and Scott, I think of the Flash animation on Newgrounds where this guy poked fun at like all the many, many deaths in X-Men. And the sequel to that was Phoenix, like Gene's back is Dark Phoenix, and so Scott ends up killing her, and uh, Emma goes... Um, I, Scott, I know that was hard for you. And he goes, oh, who are you kidding? She'll be back before the next movie. I know the one you're talking about, and I thought it was funnier when Emma just called it, to get Jean to pay attention to her, she just calls out, I'm sleeping with your husband. Oh, yeah. You bitch! And they start a slap fight. <laughs> oh, for heaven's sake, let me handle this. I'm sleeping with your husband. You bitch! We can't keep fending them off. They're too strong. Nothing moves the You did the right thing, Scott. Scott, I'm sorry you had to do that. You must feel terrible. Oh, who are you kidding? She'll be back before the next movie comes out. I love the first one of that, where they're all arguing about who dies, and then, no one dies tonight, so says the phoenix. And then Magneto just, like, face palms. Oh, for Christ's sake. Yeah, I think I know which one you're talking about, too. Yeah, I think we're wildly off topic, though. Uh, um, no, we are exactly on topic. <laughs> ironically, you're not wrong. We're pretty much following the plot of a comic. We're just going off in random weird directions and eventually hitting the end. Here's the thing. is like this We can go in any direction, and we are still on topic. <laughs> it makes as Again, much this sense as this show. <laughs> this is why we tried to stay away from the comics, but yes. Yeah, so... All right. Let's stand. So, who is first on this one? Uh, I, I can go first. Okay. Um, look, I'll be straightforward on this. Wolverine was my favorite character. I still really th- like him. And even I'll admit this show is kind of crappy. Like, the main story of Professor X contacting Wolverine from a broken future through time is just ridiculous. And it's way obvious after, like, Five episodes, that 26 episodes was way too much time for them to fill. Because, like, half this show is essentially, here's a Wolverine plot that you already know, but we're going to retell anyway because we got greenlit for more episodes than we needed. You know, it did have its moments. Cyclops actually got a couple cool points, like, where at one point he just walks through all of Mr. Sinister's henchmen by himself, and it's pretty badass. Yes, that was a good scene. Yeah, Hulk versus Wolverine was... Hulk versus Wolverine was neat, and that final moment was funny. But overall, I mean, there was one great moment where Gambit 
you know, tricks one of Magneto's daughters and, like, runs off with Magneto's helmet. And all of a sudden, she picks up and smashes through his boat with it. And he goes, oh, right, Magneto's daughter. But when I saw the end of this show with the stinger showing Apocalypse and one-eyed Cyclops standing next to him, I literally went, oh, F this. Spoilers, by the way, but not that air is so terrible. We're saving you from this show. I said this, I think I said this during the Star Trek Into Darkness review. You can't spoil something that's already rotten. Basically. I agree. Oh, man, we need to go back. I have so much that I want to say about that movie. Anyway. <laughs> we may want to revisit that in the future. Yeah. And then, not all. so I was shocked. While doing some research for the podcast on the show, I was shocked not only to find that a lot of people actually really like the show, there's an online petition to revive it. What? <sighs> Enough people cared about See, this show. Do you know why? Much? Do you know why? Because it's so faithful to the source material... Um, like, 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 yeah, sure, it's in a modern adaptation of the source material, but it's like super faithful to it. And so, of course, since it's so close to the original source, it's got to be good. No, it's not. No, yeah, it's like it's, we it's, adapted it's, the comics perfectly. It's it's good delusion, you know. Yeah. I, I, I don't have a phrase for it, but it's like it's you. People have tricked themselves into thinking that it's good, but it's not. No, it's definitely not. And I I read this interview with one of the creators. He's like, you know, a lot of people didn't just watch the show because we made Wolverine the leader. And I was like, no, that was only one of the many mistakes of this show. Look, I understand. I'm fine with people taking characters and kind of flipping them on their head and trying to do something new with them. Like X-Men Evolution. Yeah, exactly. And it's from the same people who did Evolution. What the hell happened? Huh? See, here's the thing. They didn't do that enough. They didn't change the characters enough. They were too rigidly maintaining to the original concepts. And as a result, there was just no room for anything interesting. Because, yeah. you know. We'll cover, cover that then after the next break. Give me Jean, and I walk away. You are in no position to bargain. The damage you caused tonight, the lost genetic material, the sheer aggravation. Just... Just give me Jean. That's all I want. I don't have Jean Grey. But... but Hartley... That confession was to lure you here. No. Madrox, restrain him. Stop that. Never. <laughs> Can't stop, won't stop. So where did we leave uh, off? Oh, Wolverine and the X-Men sucks. Yes. I think it was my turn, actually. <laughs> yeah, go, go for, for it. it. <laughs> so I'm going to read my thing verbatim. This show... What the fuck is this? My, this show was just the absolute worst. It was just so bad. From beginning to end, and Scott is a really good example as to why... Um, so the show starts off with Scott, you know, having once been the leader of the X-Men, but because Jean died, quote unquote, spoilers, she didn't, uh, he just doesn't fit in even more to be an X-Men or whatever. 
it really shows that Scott Summers is a character who's so deeply attached and defined by his relationships, he is incapable of standing on his own. If you take the women, take away the women in his life, there is no Scott Summers, which would be an interesting character concept. Somebody who's so needy that they can't function without a relationship. And I'm sure we know people who were like that. But they don't portray him that way. He's just depressed. Scott is an object. He's a thing that cannot function without another part. He's like a, compu- he's like a computer peripheral. He isn't a character. He's an idea. And that idea is white people. Scott, he, he's he's a he's a keyboard and he wants to enter Gene's USB port. He is he represents white people and he's just the worst. The whole show is the worst. Everybody is a token representative of their little subgroup and their importance is reflected by their respective screen time. And as you might be able to guess, Scott gets a little too much of it. <laughs> I would normally say, well, if only they did such and such with the show, but there really is no saving Wolverine in the X-Men. Um, I'll, I'll go on about Scott representing white people in media um, in a moment. I do want to point out, however, that uh, Scott's DNA is singled out as being particularly special and powerful in comparison to other mutants by Mr. Sinister, or Dr. Sinister, whatever his name is, uh, Scott is literally said to be a superior man-mutant to others. So if that isn't an allegory for white people, I don't know what it is. So yeah, that's my sub-rant. Yeah. So, um, as far as me, I did catch this on Netflix, this show, um, and, uh, uh, I watched all of it. I'm I don't sorry. Know why. <laughs> well, I, I was kind of interesting to see where Magneto was going to go because that was more interesting than Wolverine. And it sucked. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. Magneto is one of those characters who's interesting on paper. Yeah. It's hard, it's so hard to do him he, well. It's hard to do him justice. Here's the problem. If you've been exposed to any of the X-Men comics, and I have... um. Correction, let me start over. If you've never been exposed to any X-Men media, which I admit is hard to do in the modern days, you're going to... With the problem with this show is you're going to be several steps behind the basic knowledge. And this show does not do a good job of informing from the get-go. And I'm not opposed to Wolverine-centered show or even a short feature, see the Hulk versus oh, that was Wolverine. Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to be the odd man out on that one. I didn't much care for it. But even Wolverine in the comics admits that he's way too emotionally unstable to be the leader of a team. I love it when the character is essentially pointing out the logic problem in the show. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't mind being second in command, but when there's a point in the comics when both Storm and Cyclops are either out of commission or off the teams for various reasons in the comics once, and Wolverine pushed Rogue to this leader <laughs> spot ahead of himself. Well, let's make it, think, think about Wolverine. He's more of like a, a sergeant, you know. He's he's, he's not an yeah. officer, you know. He's not a big picture kind of guy. He's the kind of guy who's going to get your team alive, but he's not necessarily like, you know. He's he's got to have somebody else to keep him, you know, focused on the mission, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, on the so. bigger picture sort of things. You know, an officer is going to, you know, know things and be able to make decisions you know, that don't necessarily mean the survival of the squad. 
So right. Drill Wolverine Sergeant's is priority is the survival of the squad on top of the mission. Referencing another terrible cartoon, Wolverine is effectively muzzle from Road Rovers. And... Um, <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen it, but I know which character you're talking about. Right. Please go on. <laughs> but Cyclops here in this series, aside from the fact he's Sadclops, and... It's nice that he's not the, quote, Boy Scout he's in other iterations, but he, it's obvious they didn't know how to write him handling pain and grief very well. It's fun to watch him smack down Sinister's entire team solo, but we're talking about the long-standing leader of the X-Men who really should know better, or at least had the wherewithal to not charge in blindly. So, yes, this show is stupid. Yeah. Very, very stupid. Stupid! You're so stupid! Yeah. All that, that considered, yeah, it is one of the this is one of the worst iterations of X Men entirely. Yeah. It is no surprise these days that Marvel is deliberately moving away from X Men and pushing towards Inhumans. Unfortunately, the Inhumans isn't much better. <laughs> no, I know they're not, <laughs> and it's not just because Fox owns the rights to X Men media. Sure, so. it's not. <laughs> Yeah, that, it, and it's totally not the reason why they canceled the Fantastic Four comic, too. <laughs> yeah. that. So that those are the three major cartoons. Um, now, there, he did... Cyclops did make a brief appearance in the Superhero Squad show, which... Um, the TV one? Going, yeah. Yeah, that show was awesome. Uh, yeah, well, the one in question is the character Reptile ends up at at Mutant High, where it's just the X-Men, and he starts to flirt with Jean Grey, and all we get is Cyclops not happy with that. So... <laughs> you get it, though. Yeah. It's it's the same character who is only attached to Jean, essentially. <laughs> but that side, that show is actually a hoot and a half, even if it was built for kids, because they really wrote it with tongue-in-cheek for comic fans as well. Oh, yeah, it was it was a very good show. I loved it. So but That just leaves us with the live-action movies. <laughs> so Now, Jeremy, I think there's something you want to advertise that you've done with these before. Oh, well, when we, get to, when we get to that movie. Fair enough. So there's three movies and a cameo that Cyclops shows in. And Cyclops gets progressively crappier in each one. In the first he has movie, even less screen time not to in say one. that he started very strong to begin with, yeah. but he was he was decent in the first movie. It was his best outing in the films, and while that's not saying very much, you, you actually get to see his role with the X Men as opposed to the next two movies. His mm-hmm. conflict with Wolverine is decent, and I really like the post Mystique fight moment between him and Wolverine, which. I'm not. I don't need to quote it because I know it's going to be one of the breaks. So, but it was really. Yeah. I liked it, and yeah, he doesn't get as much focus as Wolverine. You know, nobody else in the movie does either. Which I always think back to the uh, I'm a Marvel, I'm a DC, where they go. Weren't all the other X Men movies about you anyway? <laughs> they basically yeah. were. Yeah. Which makes sense in context. I mean, given how the movie started. I mean, it, it does make sense. I can't really argue the point, but... Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, for me, you know, he was okay. He wasn't bad. He wasn't great. He was more or less still defined. However, 
basically by his relationship to Jean Grey. He had a few independent moments, but really, Mm -hmm. again, he was just, you know, a keyboard. Well, as you point, he's also a hammer in this movie because his first reaction at the at the climactic battle against Magneto is a blast. Well, yeah, I mean, and you know that works. You know, that's that's Scott Summers. He has laser eyes, and yeah. that's how he thinks. That's legit, and that's how Wolverine thinks. You know, stab it with claws. You know, and then Scott is shoot it with lasers and. <laughs> You know, I wonder if the female characters are more interesting. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I did like the back and forth where uh, Wolverine goes, "Yeah, I'll, I didn't blow off the roof of a train station." And he goes, "No, you're the one who stabbed Rogue in the chest." <laughs> and then it's just like dead that, silence, and it's like, "Oh right, we both suck." <laughs> we'll get to the next two movies after our next break. Hey, hey, it's me. Prove it. You're a dick. Okay. And we're back with X2. I, I like how you immediately jumped in to give me the chance to do the gene scream. Yes, that was purposeful. <laughs> so, twice the characters equals half the time for, for Cyclops. If the first movie had him as one of the team and him... You know, as one of the other seen here, he gets uh, in the movie. He's in there for about the first third of the movie before uh, Lady Dextrite walks in and just knocks him out, and he just disappears. Yep. Then he's under mind control, and uh, Gene kicks his ass. And yep. Then he cries like a little bitch. Well, to be fair, Gene just did um, not die. So. <laughs> That's, that's legit. Hey, his girlfriend didn't die. Like she was. I mean, well, she's dead, but we all know she's not dead. Yeah. So I, I mean, don't. I don't put a whole lot of stock or value, you know, by a character's ability to resist physical or psychic or emotional pain. I mean that that happens. You know, that's an important part of making a good character. Is there is how they deal with that sort of thing. Um, you know, it's their ability to be believable people far more so than just. They're a level of machismo, and this movie is about Jean and her Scott Summers, her detachable Scott Summers attachment. Again, he's not a character, he's a peripheral. He is, hilariously enough, how female romantic interests are treated in other films, where they have, like, like a couple of badass moments, and then they get wiped out by the dragon, and... A damsel in distress. Yeah, yes. he is a damsel in distress, and it would be hilarious oh, wow. if it just wasn't just bad writing in general. Wait, when you I, I have flip, the perf- I, I know what Scott Summers is. When you he's, flip, the pa- he's the power glove. Oh, I'm afraid I don't. The NES. It's so bad. Oh. No, no, he's the power glove. He looks cool. It was a great concept, but yeah. in the end, you're just whapping your hand up and down. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, it really shows like when you take these bad tropes of you know how women get treated and you apply them to men, you suddenly become so clear how bad they are. Well, and that takes us into our next movie where he went. <laughs> wait, he was in this X three. Uh, he went. Uh, he became Sad Clops and then died off screen. Which, you know yeah. what, I guarantee you the creators of Wolverine and the X-Men watched this movie like 20 times and went, that's what we're doing for Cyclops. 
And the only reason his character wasn't in here is because James Marsden, who played him, was over at Superman Returns. Yeah, that was a great choice on his part. I'm going to go from, at least in this movie, he shot lasers out of his eyes. In that other movie, he was... Can fly a plane? Was kind of there. He could fly a plane in X-Men 2, and he could shoot lasers out of his eyes. That's He could fly a better plane. Yeah. God, he didn't even father Lois Lane's kid in that other movie. Oh, yeah, spoiler, by the way. Um, <laughs> Not that you care. Believe us. Yeah. That yeah. movie was... Yeah. They could have had yeah. Brainiac. Yep. Yes, but, um, that's another story for another day. If, yes. if you want to know my full dislike of X3 The Last Stand, check out, go to rifttracks.com and check out the iRiff that I did with a couple friends. Nice. We had some product placement. Yep. So. We had some fun with that. Yeah. So that just leaves um, the most recent X-Men Days of Future Past, and it's nothing more than a cameo. But it's an important one. <laughs> At the end of Wolverine's Dicking with Time, we do see a very much alive and healthy Scott and Jean. It's not much, but it's nice to see Brian Singer flipping the bird to Brett Ratner. I remember in an interview, um, they asked... Brian Singer. So it's like, so the events in X-Men 3, are you going to change anything? And he just flat out said, in other words, you're wanting to know if I'm going to fix shit. And they went, yeah, pretty much. And uh, so it's nice to see uh, nice to see Marston back, but the question is if he's going to show up in X-Men Apocalypse. Who knows? Apparently Wolverine isn't. No, this is, no, Hugh Jackman confirms this is his last time as Wolverine. Is Wolverine 3. It doesn't what? sound like he's going to be in Age of Apocalypse. I'm going to have to look this up. Yep. So, um, But while I do that, Alex, I think there was something more you wanted to say on the whole character. So, I'm going to go on an extended rant, and I've touched on a lot of this already, but uh, you know, this is sort of my thesis here. Um, Scott Summers is basically everything I hate about the main the, the mainline comics of DC and Marvel. Basically, everything that is... Like, Scott is a condensed version of everything that's wrong with them. Um, when I do read comics, I focus on graphic novels. And the reason... It, like, one of the big reasons I don't like the uh, mainstream comics is the lack of meaning of death and Scott Summers. Mostly Scott Summers. And the reason is because Scott Summers represents white people... In the like the worst possible way, and, and like as an allegory, like not it's just it's oh, it, 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 the idea of like Scott as a metaphor, um, uh, the idea of using him as a metaphor for things like white privilege and poorly written white guy heroes is an interesting idea, but he's not. He's written straight every time, and I'm not interested. In his being as, in any character being a straight up allegory anyway, with the exception of like parodies, Char- characters should stand on their own, independent of the themes that they might carry with them. That's not to say that themes can't be used. It's just that your character can should still be independent of those themes. Um, Scott Summers is ostensibly the leader of the X Men, despite there being older, more worldly, and more experienced mutants available there to lead them, like Beast and Storm. Scott has no extraordinary personal abilities aside from his mutant powers. If you remove Gene from his life, who is Scott Summers? He's just a white guy. Sure, he might—he's meant to be a character that white guys can project on, 
but we've known how much of a bad idea that is for a long time now. There's a reason people make fun of Bella in Twilight, and there's a reason nobody's favorite character is Harry Potter in the Harry Potter series. Everyone, everyone has a favorite character who isn't Harry. They're, these are characters who have no character. Though, to be fair, Harry does develop. <laughs> Scott's worthlessness is, as an individual is shown basically without comment. It's played straight without any allegory in everything that shows Scott's backstory. He isn't a glue character that keeps the team together. You see this in Wolverine and the X-Men. He's not even a very good leader or a very good teacher. He's just in charge because Scott's in charge. Unless it's Wolverine in charge. <laughs> or in the comics, you've got Storm, you have Nightcrawler, and you have Rogue, who have all led the team at one point. Well, yeah, but you know, but it's supposed to be Scott. Um, and touching on that, the X-Men are an ethnically diverse team, with people from many religions and ethnic groups, and that's really awesome. It's still pretty white-heavy. Scott Summers is the leader of this diverse group. He is the designated white guy for all of his powers and all of his, the awesome dangers and responsibility that come with having laser vision. He gets a cool p p pair of shades for his troubles. He doesn't have blue fur or naturally white hair or a tail or spikes. Or wings. Or wings or spikes growing out of his back. Or he, and he doesn't hail from a marginalized culture or anything like that. He's a good-looking white guy with a prosecution prosecution complex. The only thing making Scott a minority is his mutant gene, and yet his position is equated with everyone else's in the X-Men because Scott has problems. And by problems, I mean women. I'm not even going to start on the... We've already gone on about the crazy kind of stupid that happens in the comic books, particularly with the love life of Scott Summers. I was not joking about his marrying Jean's clone. And having a kid with her. That would be Cable. Yep. You literally cannot talk about Scott Summers without also talking about Jean Grey. They are two parts of the same character. You can't have one without the other. You basically can't because these characters can't be justified by themselves. Scott exists to protect and own Jean. Jean is his girl, which is... You know, I mean, the idea of having a canon couple, you know, and having a romance and established relationship, so much media focuses on the creation of new relationships and not about, you know, the maintaining them. Um, and, and there's, despite Jean's power and her, like, you know, how her friendliness to everyone She's still somebody, she's portrayed as somebody who still needs to be protected so much, whether it's from Magneto or Mr. Sinister or Mystique or Apocalypse or Commander Stryker and Scott's the man for the job or Wolverine. Um, this is also the reason I hate the Dark Phoenix saga so much, regardless of where it is. Jean literally has no control over her body, which has to be contained and manipulated by other authority figures, usually men, and it's often Scott or it's Professor X or Wolverine. Basically, funny things happen to women, and they need a man to first to control the women themselves, and then an authority to control their body. It doesn't matter which man, whether it's Scott, Professor X, or Wolverine, they'll all do. And then Scott needs a woman to justify his existence. It doesn't mean which one, if it's Emma or Jean, who cares? It's just a woman. 
And of course, as a white guy, he gets to be the leader. And when he's not just as repressed as everyone, he's just as repressed as everyone else because he's a mutant. And not just any mutant, but a superior mutant. His DNA is so much better than other mutants' DNA. Mr. Sinister said so. That was just the dumbest thing that that happened in that show. And it just made me absolutely furious. Uh, Scott Somers basically roams around the Marvel Universe, totally unaware that he basically can't be defined as a sentient being, even in-universe, bumping into things that either ends in a fight or ends in sex. There are things about Scott that could be interesting, but because he is so rigidly defined as being the designated white person, he just ends up being white people with all of the all terrible things that happen, like, when you... when Oh... Um, I'm sorry, I'm getting off script here. He isn't a character, he's the, and he's the sort of thing that makes comics so hard to take seriously. It's because he because he's just so unaware. It's it's kind of it's so pitiful that it's kind of hilarious. He's like a puppy who who get, survives getting its head crushed by a car. You know you should put it Art. down. <laughs> you know you should put it down. But it's still looking at you, and it's still kind of cute. Through its exploded eyeball. But, you know, it's, you know what the right thing to do is. Well, well, we got that lovely image in our heads. We'll take our last break. You know, I'd feel a lot better if you were taking this more seriously. Some mutants take pride in their gifts, especially those of us who are willing to fight for what we believe in. You ever seen real combat, boy? Have you? Don't like to talk about your past? Not to you. Well, it must just kill you that a boy like me saved your life. Gotta be careful. I might not be there next time. Hey, Logan. Stay away from my girl. Puppies! Now that we've gotten that out of the way. <laughs> He's got like this mental image of Cyclops with his head half crushed and be like, Gene! Gene! Gene, be my guardian angel! No, not you! <laughs> Don't anyway, care well, if you have metal wings. <laughs> in the break, I did uh, look up, yeah, you're, Jeremy, you're not wrong. Hugh Jackman's only rumored for X-Men Apocalypse. Yeah. So, yeah. It's going to make things interesting. Yep. I actually have a really cool story. Um, it was an interview with Hugh Jackman. Evidently, his son doesn't much care for the fact that his dad is, Wolver- uh, you know, does the movies. And he was at uh, he was at the park with his son. And, you know, there was, like, a girl that his son liked or something like that. And Hugh is, like, egging him on to go talk to her. He's like, Dad, I don't know what to do. It's like, you you can do it. And he goes, all right. So he goes over to her, sir. Goes over to her and he says, hey, my dad's Wolverine. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Your also dad was also dancing in gold lame pants in one of the, was it Academy Awards or Bruh, Tony? I don't yeah, know. yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was like the Academy Awards or the Oscars or something like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, have fun with that, kid. Um, so, all in all, yes, Scott is problematic. So very. Does that, that mean he's necessarily badly written? No, it just means that everyone else's interest around him is interesting, has more personality to work with. 
So, Beast, Ice, even if we go back to the core five, Iceman, Beast, and Angel, all, and Jean Grey, all have more character. Around. Beast was kind of like the fun-loving, smart guy. Iceman was this kind of ego, ego, egotistical jerk. Warren, as Angel, was kind of all smiles, and he still got to be rich at the end of the day. <laughs> and Jean Grey's a hot redhead. <laughs> That's about all you can say about these characters. Keep in mind, yeah, all white. Okay, no, X, so, I think X Men Evolution showed what you could, if you really try to do something different with Cyclops in a good way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's not to say this character can't work. Yeah. He can. It just, just depends on who's writing him. Is it being done well? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If Evolution is the benchmark of the right way to do it, Wolverine and the X-Men is probably the worst way to take care mm-hmm. to use this character. Yeah. Or he's just sort of wallpaper in that show until his few oh. moments where he's looking for Gene and and shoots people and then he gets his he still doesn't have any personality when any no. of this happens, but it is pretty cool to watch. Yeah, but then they also neuter his powers because he gives Archangel like a full-powered blast to the chest, knocks him out of like a fifth story in a hospital, and he lands on a car. In two minutes, he gets right back up and then beats the crap out of Cyclops. I don't blame that on Cyclops' weakness. I blame that on them trying to justify Archangel way too hard. We could do another show about how bad Archangel is. Like, if Scott is bad, Archangel is superfluous. (laughs) Yeah. Well, all that... All that's certainly well and true, but I think we've covered all the basics here. Yeah. Well, Alex, uh, thank you for bringing on. Is there something you want to... A website or a blog you want to... Advertise before we book, we sign off. You can check out my website. Um, it's alexanderjersey.com. Pretty easy. Uh, I got some game projects on there. Um, updating new stuff soon. So, you know, it'll be some cool stuff to watch. Well, Jeremy, where can they find us on the, where can they find the podcast on the internet? You guys can check us out at frustratedpodcast.com. You can do a search on iTunes for the frustrated fans. We have, we enjoy if you give us some reviews. Both Pete and I have put up a couple of uh, clips and episodes up on YouTube. Uh, my YouTube channel is Vincent X. Pete's what's Pete? What's yours? Anoncali. Okay. And uh, yeah, check us out. Go to the website. Check out the forums. I like to post a little funny little preview for the next one every single time. Well, that's speaking of the next one. What do you think? We're, what we think we should do? I say we do a trek through the stars. Another one. Yeah. But but something uh, good this time. Something fine. with hope and wonder and magic. Well, no, 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 no magic, not magic. And camp. <laughs> That's right. We're going back to the original series this time with Q before Q is a thing. Yeah. Next time on Frustrated Fans Podcast, Star Trek, the original series, The Squire of Gothos. Take care, everyone. Shut up!